grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the gospel reading from Matthew 5, Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount, especially verse 20. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Question today, are you good enough for God? I want you to ponder that. Are you good enough for God. Kind of a strange question, right? What does being good enough have to do with it? Well, God's Word says, unless your righteousness, your good enough stuff, exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you can't go to heaven. You won't enter the kingdom of God. So, are you good enough for God? You know, this is a question that I would believe that the vast number of people alive on earth have never pondered, have never considered, and is the farthest thing from their mind. People don't care if they're good enough for God. They don't care with regard to their righteousness. But it hasn't always been so. There was a time when people were very concerned about their righteousness. They were very concerned about their standing with God. And one of those times is clearly portrayed for us in Jesus' words from Matthew 5. The scribes and the Pharisees, they often get a bad rap, don't they? You hear scribes and Pharisees and immediately the first thing that comes into your mind is something negative. The scribes and the Pharisees were good people. The Pharisees devoted themselves to living a righteous life, to following the law, to being holy because God says you should be holy. In fact, they originally called themselves the pious ones, the holy ones, because they wanted to be holy. Before long, people started calling them Pharisees. Because if you want to be holy, you generally have to separate yourself from things that aren't holy. Or from people who aren't holy. And that's literally what the word Pharisee means. Separated ones. People who were so devoted to being righteous, to living a righteous life, that they separated themselves from everybody and everything that would get in the way of their holiness, 
of their righteousness. You might say they were the ones who invented social distancing. Now the scribes, most of the scribes were Pharisees, but the scribes had a very specific job, a very important job. They would copy meticulously the words of Scripture. You couldn't just go to Kinko's and get a copy made. The Bible, the Scriptures, were meticulously transcribed. You had to be very exact. You had to be very careful. After all, you're dealing with the Word of God, the most holy thing that there is. And so the scribes were very devoted to detail. The detail of God's Word. Because they worked with God's Word, this often meant that they studied God's Word. They knew it better than anyone. And so the scribes and the Pharisees devoted themselves to living holy lives according to the Word of God. They took righteousness very seriously. They were good people, the kind of people that you would want for neighbors. They always paid their taxes. They always mowed their lawn. They always lent a helping hand. They were givers in society. Not takers. They devoted themselves to following the law of God. Why? Because the Ten Commandments that we heard just earlier in our service, the Ten Commandments describe what the righteous life looks like. If there was anybody that was righteous, it was the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the good guys. And now Jesus, in our text, Matthew 5, verse 20, says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you have no part in the kingdom of God. You cannot participate in the kingdom of heaven. My friends, the scribes and the Pharisees were righteous on the outside. They devoted themselves to a worldly righteousness. People looked at them and on the outside all they could see was their righteousness. So what is Jesus teaching us when he says that our righteousness has to be even greater than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? My friends, the scribes and the Pharisees trusted in their righteousness. They trusted in their actions, in their works, in their deeds. The primary reason that they were righteous was to benefit themselves. 
Oh, they did all the right things. But they did it for the wrong reason. The scribes and the Pharisees, in their zeal for the law, denied the gospel. The key to understanding Jesus' condemnation of the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees is their righteousness was not for the love of God or neighbor. Their righteousness was for the love of themselves. You can always tell, whether it be with the scribes and the Pharisees or the scribes and the Pharisees that are among us today, you can always tell when someone is using righteousness, their own righteousness, to justify themselves. Because not only do they have a zeal for righteousness, the flip side of the coin is they have a zeal for judging others. I'm righteous and you're not. I'm doing righteous stuff, why aren't you? The two go hand in hand. A self-righteous attitude and a condemn, condemning, judging attitude. These things, my friends, seek to earn what God freely gives. Did you hear that? When we seek to earn our righteousness, we are robbing God of His glory. We are trying to earn that which God freely gives. In the book of Jeremiah, God is called the Lord our righteousness. Think of that name. God, who is righteous, who is holy, who is sinless and without sin, is not only righteous in and for himself, God is righteous for us. The Lord is our righteousness. There is only one who is truly righteous, whose righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. The Lord, our righteousness, pointed forward to the gift of the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. The righteous one who comes into this world. You see, when we try to earn or claim our own righteousness, a righteousness apart from God, we're denying Christ. We're denying the gospel. It was a false misleading dream that God, his law, had given that sinners could themselves redeem and by their works gain heaven. The law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light that lurks within our nature. My friends, we talk 
a big talk about our sin. We said it early in our service. I, a poor, miserable sinner. We like to talk about things in, in general or, or in the abstract. But when it gets personal, when we have to talk about our unrighteous deeds or our inability to save ourselves, then, then we defer, then we deflect, then we fall back into our old habits. Well, I might not be perfect, but, but I'm better than him, or I'm better than her. I may not be good, but I'm good enough. And in so doing, we claim that we are good enough on our own for God. My friends, this is the oldest lie that Satan has, and it works nearly every single time because that lie sounds so good to our ears. My friends, today, God's Word is teaching us that the righteousness that we need, the only righteousness that can save, is God's gift for you. And that gift has a name, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, our righteousness. Jesus Christ, who comes into this world, not only holy and perfect, but holy and perfect for you. Jesus places himself under the law. He doesn't water it down. He doesn't pretend that it doesn't apply to him. He doesn't take some pharisaical attitude and, and make loopholes so that he can feel good about how much he accomplishes. No. He fulfills the law perfectly. Every jot, every tittle, every iota. He doesn't just do it to demonstrate what righteousness looks like or our example. Jesus does it for us. And then, He gives away. He clothes. He imputes us with the righteousness that He has earned. That's what Romans 6, our epistle reading, is all about. Don't you know that all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? And if you were baptized into His death, you were also baptized into His resurrection. Everything Jesus has done, His perfect life, His obedient death, His glorious resurrection, He does for you, for me, and for the life of the world. He not only does it, but He gives it away. He clothes us. He imputes us. He covers us over with His righteousness. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't pray or decide our way into it. It is pure gift. It is ours by grace through faith.
My friends, that, that hymn that I quoted a moment ago goes on. Yet as the law must be fulfilled, or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's anger stilled, our human nature sharing. He has for us the law obeyed, and thus the Father's vengeance stayed, which over us impended. My friends, Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God. The parable of the wedding garment. Unless you are clothed in the wedding garment, you get thrown out into the street. This is what Jesus is teaching us. And God's word for today is that the righteousness of Christ not only gets us into heaven, but the righteousness of Jesus is our key to living a righteous life right here and right now. A life that is not marred and tainted with, with selfish desires. But a life that is lived in freedom. Freedom knowing that our sins are forgiven. Freedom knowing that our name is written in the book of life. Freedom in knowing that we don't need to prove anything to God. We are free to love God and to serve our neighbor. We are free to live and to laugh and to love in Christ Jesus because this is what God has created us to do. You know, sometimes Lutherans get a bad rap because they are so focused on the death and resurrection of Jesus that they don't talk about doing good works. My friends, if we truly believe in the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness that God has given us in Christ Jesus, our life is a life of faith. We're not worried about trying to earn our way to heaven. We simply love God and serve one another. We live in the good works that God has created in advance for us to do. A good tree produces good fruit. God has made you a good tree. He says it, and it is so. And so the words and the works and the actions that we do are pleasing and acceptable to Him. How easy it is, my friends, to fall back into the trap that we must do something so that God will love us. We must do something to prove our righteousness or our devotion to Him. My friends, these lies are always among us. Our old Adam, our old Eve that lives and dwells within us is a Pharisee or a scribe in the making. We want to take part and we want to take credit. It sounds so good. It feels so good. But the results are hellacious. 
self-righteousness, self-justification, denies the good news of Jesus Christ. Denies the gospel. The very gifts that God freely and without coercion gives and gives and gives and gives to each and every one of us. Are you good enough for God on your own? Absolutely not. And you can spend your whole life trying to prove that you are. And you'll do nothing more than spin your wheels and end up frustrated. You'll live a bitter, selfish, and condemning life. That's no life. And that is certainly not the life that God intends for you. My friends, your sins are forgiven. How do you know for sure? God says so. He has sealed it with the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. He has given you the objective reality of your baptism where He has robed you, clothed you, imputed you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Every time you hear the good news of the gospel, God is declaring you righteous in your ear, cleansing your heart. Every time you eat and drink Christ's body and blood, you are being made righteous in Jesus Christ. God continues to give and to give and to give. And what he gives is Jesus and his righteousness. Are you good enough for God? In Christ Jesus, the answer is a resounding yes. How do you know for sure? God says so. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts our minds, our lives, our righteousness in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Having heard the word of God, we are bold to confess our faith as we sing the words of the offertory, Create in me a new heart. Please stand as we sing.